0: hi everyone we have a special guest on the podcast today new summit league commissioner josh fenton joins us josh welton to the podcast
1: thanks todd thanks for having me
0: absolutely we're super excited so i just want to i'll start with the first question we have greg and zach here with us as well today uh my first question is Tell us a little bit about your time before becoming the Summit League Commissioner. where did you grow up? What got you interested in college athletics in general? And what got you interested in this particular position?
1: So I, I, I grew up uh, somewhat in the footprint of the Summit League. I grew up in a small town called Litchfield, Minnesota, uh, about 60 miles west of Minneapolis, St. Paul area, rural farming community my mother was an educator second grade teacher for for many years and then went into administration and and my dad three different generations owned a general motors dealership in the town of litchfield and so uh i have a sister and she and i grew up there my mom and dad still live there uh they've got a place in northern minnesota that they frequent more often in the summer than they do in the winter Um, but it was a wonderful wonderful community to grow up uh, strong midwestern values um commitment to, to academics and athletics. Um, I grew up playing a multitude of sports like many kids did in small towns. Uh, I ultimately, I kind of settled on as I got a little closer to, to high school. Uh, I played, I played some football, I played hockey and, uh, I played a little bit of golf and then, uh, kind of when my, my time in high school was, was done in Litchfield, um, I, I, I went to college. I actually went one year, to a very small school just east of of San Antonio, Texas, called Texas Lutheran University. and The reason why I went to Texas Lutheran University is because I was recruited there to play college golf. Um, And so uh, I went there, a small Division II school, highly achieving golf school at the Division II level uh, in a small town called Seguin, Texas, um, just on on Interstate 10 there east of San Antonio. Um, Ultimately, you know, the environment maybe wasn't the best for me. I I think um, a kid from the upper Midwest and uh, knowing winter as I knew winter and then being planted into the state of Texas, deep into the south part of Texas, although it was a great experience, um, maybe caught me off guard a little bit. So I actually transferred, I transferred uh, closer to home and I finished my collegiate career at Iowa State University in Ames, Iowa. And so I went to Iowa State, I was a member of the men's golf team for, for one year, but when people ask me about my collegiate golf experience, I like to tell them I basically had a cup of coffee playing college golf and, and, and that was about it. Um, you know, maybe uh, my mind got in the way a little too much and uh, unfortunately that didn't work out. But I graduated from Iowa State, uh, went and worked in the private sector for about a year and a half in the Minneapolis area. Um, and then I went out to uh, Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. Um, I had an interest in working in college hockey, collegiate athletics, um, and I was able to find a volunteer assistant position with the hockey program at Miami, uh, just north of Cincinnati there. Um, And so I went out there, did my graduate work, the two years of graduate work, uh, was a volunteer assistant, then actually got hired full-time into the athletics department. And I worked in various roles and capacities along the way at Miami, ultimately leaving as a senior associate AD for finance and administration. And during those last probably years' time uh, when I was at Miami is when There was discussions about realignment happening in college hockey and Miami, along with other institutions, were a part of a a decision to form a new conference when the Big Ten decided they were going to sponsor Men's Ice Hockey um, with the addition of Penn State. And so the National Collegiate Hockey Conference was formed and I was a part of a group that formed that while being at one of the member institutions. Um, And then as we got a little bit closer to uh, we actually hired a commissioner um uh, and that person served in the role for maybe a year and a half ish Uh, unfortunately he decided it was best for him to jump back into a kind of a previous life which was more the olympic movement and so in the summer of 2013 which was the summer leading up to our first competitive season the 13-14 academic year um the membership came to me and asked if i would consider to be the, the commissioner and I guess they say the last, the rest is history, right? So um, I serve and continue to serve, I guess, still today. Um, this is our ninth competitive season as a commissioner of the National Collegiate Hockey Conference. Uh, we're located in Colorado Springs, Colorado, which is where one of our member institutions is located, Colorado College. Um, and then as this fall kind of matriculated and obviously with the retirement of Tom in the Summit League and three common members in the Summit League, um, I had conversations with people about what I thought was a really unique opportunity um, and, and an opportunity where I thought uh, we could do a lot more um, with, with what was there in the Summit League. And so I had more conversations with people amongst the three members that are common to our conference and the NCHC, um, plus others, and, and was asked to get involved in the search process and looked into it a little bit more. Obviously, I had conversations with with my wife, and I'll come back to my family in a second, um, and, and ultimately saw it as a really, really good opportunity and got involved in the interview process and was fortunate enough to be announced in the early part of December there um, as, as the next commissioner of the Summit League. So I'm honored um, and excited um, that the work has started. Frankly, when the announcement happened, the work started. Um, but, uh, we're really getting going right now. And then the last thing I'll say, Todd, is that, uh, I have a a wife, I believe we're moving on. This is 16 years. Uh, her name is Lindsay and we have three small boys. I guess maybe some of them aren't small anymore. I have a 12 year old, Ryan. I have a 10 year old named Luke, and then I have a six year old named Drew. So our family is excited to eventually get to Sioux Falls and be ingrained in that community.
0: Awesome.
2: So Commissioner Fenton, uh, one thing that really strikes me about your career is you've been involved in a lot of big developments. I mean, it, this isn't wasn't just about running a conference. It was about truly developing it uh, in a number of different ways, both, you know, both uh, footprint wise and, and member institutions and the media coverage, things like that. Um, and so obviously this could go in a number of different directions here. And there's probably never been a more dynamic time in college athletics. But what are some of your initial impressions and focuses for the Summit League?
1: Well, I I, I think a few things, Zach. Um, I I think first off, and I talked about some of this during the interview process, um, I I saw really three strengths in the Summit League. Number one was a foundational base of, of members that were committed to one another. And I think it may be in the history of the league and obviously the league's gone through some rebranding and a lot of kind of revolving doors of members in members out members back in that type of thing, that we are probably at the strongest point in the collection of member institutions that we have within the summit league. And so I saw that as a really big uh, strength that we could build off of second, um, I also saw a commitment to the intercollegiate student athlete experience at the highest level, the division one level. That's what we do. We're, we're in the business of division one sports. I understand that we're not considered an A five conference or a group of five conference, which is fine. We're, we're not, we're not pretending to be that we're, we're never going to be that, but I can tell you that the commitment that I saw and, and have grown to know even more, even over the past month, was a high commitment to the student athlete experience by our president's chancellors, athletics directors, and just institutions overall to the programs. And then lastly, and you guys probably know this way better than I do, but I kind of saw it from afar, is that I think we've got strong, uh, passionate, uh, although maybe niche and regionalized, there's tremendous amount of excitement and passion around fan bases. You know, whether it be fan bases of NDSU basketball or Oral Roberts basketball. We just have really strong, I think, passionate fan bases that have strong affinity to their individual institutions, as they should, and their programs that they love, but maybe an opportunity to build affinity to a greater conference brand. Like the one of the things that I have have seen in the NCHC grow over time, and and you kind of reference this a little bit, Zach, is so we started from scratch. We didn't have a conference. We said, we're going to create a conference. And these institutions, we're going to come together under commonality of thought. And I think we've got a lot of commonality of thought in the room of the Summit League. But when we put the institutions together and we said, hey, we're going to do this, obviously the programs had history and tradition um, dating back decades, similar to what's go- gone on with, let's say, basketball programs in, in the Summit League. But what fans didn't understand, because it was brand new, is what is this NCHC thing? And so we had to build the brand story and, and focus on engaging fans at a different level to try to build affinity, not only to the program that they love, but now this new conference that their program is in. And and obviously the summit league isn't new and and there's no doubt there's affinity to it. The basketball tournament is incredible. I think a sleeping, sleeping giant in the world of collegiate basketball tournaments, but I believe that we've got a lot more opportunity to build affinity to the conference amongst these strong regionalized fan bases across the conference footprint.
2: So to kind of continue that line of thought is, is unified coverage of the conference, a big part of that similarly you you know your nchc tv but is the fact that the the coverage of the conference right now the fact that it's a little fragmented does that kind of play into something that you're maybe looking at addressing uh as you go towards building that common brand
1: yeah so first off i'm still gathering and understanding gathering information understanding kind of what what the 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 coverage is from from a league-wide standpoint but Yes, you're right. But but Zach, it's not one thing in particular. It's not just, okay, what's the linear TV agreement related to the league? What's the digital network type of agreement related to the league? It's all of that. Plus, what are we doing on our website? What are we doing with our social media channels? What are we doing to engage fans um, throughout the course of the regular season with just different things that we're promoting based upon successes of our programs, maybe competitively or athletically, maybe not athletically, maybe academically. I think one thing that we can do better is we can promote the academic success of some of our programs. Um, And so it's a collection of all of that really wrapped into a strategy that we've got to get outlined, figured out, membership uh, involvement and development and ultimately buy-in that can then help us say to the fans across the summit league, this is what we're going to do to engage you at a different level. Like I I use social media as a, maybe a small example, but, but, but a big example, social media for me in in the world of conferences, it's either informative or it's engaging. And, and, and there's, there's a relationship obviously between the two of them. Are we putting out information that fans need to know? Or are we also putting out information and things to engage fan bases? Like one of the things that I saw in the NCHC as we kind of developed this plan, commonality of thought, affinity to the conference brand is once people bought into what we were doing, then it leads to more tickets being bought at the tournament, more subscriptions being purchased on NCHC TV, the digital network, hopefully more people watching games on CBS Sports Network, which was our national linear television provider. But first we have to develop strategy that shows to the fans we're gonna engage them and hopefully develop stronger affinity to the conference. And then I think it allows them to say, yeah, that's something I wanna be a part of at a different level.
3: Josh, I'm gonna, uh... Not necessarily change direction, but you, you're talking about fans and their affinity to to the league. You know, in this landscape of everybody's committed to their conference until they're not. You know, every institution is committed <laughs> until they're not. You know, conference stability, and especially at the the, the mid-major level. I mean, you're running. You know, hey, we've got the rumors about Kansas City. You know, looking to move, and and Augustana sits there. They have intentions. You know, from your standpoint of maintaining stability as best you can in this environment, um, uh, what are the things you're going to look for if, if the Summit League has to add some members? Is there a certain geography, whatever it might be? If it's different than being on the East Coast where, you know, everybody's in everybody's backyard, there's a, this is, you know, we're unique in the middle of the country, but what do you look for as far as potential growth opportunities, as far as potential stability opportunities, you know,
1: um, opportunities? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, great, great question, Greg. Um, Difficult one, just given our landscape, uh, you know, maybe before I answer that, isn't it interesting that, you know, seemingly a a move made by two programs at the absolute highest level back in the summer with Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC is all of a sudden rolled all the way down the hill. Yeah. To those of us that are in the so-called so, so mid-major level, right? But, but I guess to your point, that's, that's the world that we're, that we're living in. I can tell you a few things. Number one, I've had conversations with every institution individually, either athletics director or president and chancellor, in some, in some cases, both. Um, and, I, and I will have individual conversations with everybody at some point over the next week or so here. Everybody has said to me that there's tremendous opportunity with the Summit League. We think the Summit League's a good and right place for us here, space and time now. Um, And and that's everybody, all 10 member institutions. And so I think people are excited about the time that is upon us within the Summit League and what's going to come up in the future um, about where we are going to go collectively as a league that maybe has them re-energized about their membership in in the conference. Because Greg, it starts with the commitment by the member institutions that are currently in the conference. You know, I I, I don't need to go have conversations with institutions A, B, and C that are not in the conference until I have an understanding of what the commitment is within the conference. Now, to your point about um, how do we look at taking what we have, what I think is a strong foundational membership base, And and expanding it in a way that adds value to the existing member institutions. And that's the key component. If if we're going to look at other institutions that may be a good fit, so to speak, for the Summit League, they have to be looked at in a way that adds value. And value can be measured in a lot of different ways. We can talk about that in probably 20 different aspects. Geography. You brought up geography, but geography is certainly of value we live in a little different landscape than those that sit at the highest levels of collegiate athletics. And the reason why I say that is those that live at the highest levels of collegiate athletics, a lot of their thought process, especially surrounding conference landscape and makeup is driven by um, media media agreement decisions. And, And for us, media agreements exposure through national uh, linear television agreements or digital networks uh, plus revenue that can come back to us from those types of things is important, but it just, it isn't at the same level as what they see at the A5 level or even, even the group of five level. And so back to the point of geography. So geography, no doubt um, matters because when you start talking about travel and costs related to travel uh, regional rivalries, that type of thing, um, that matters. Financial, financial is another aspect of value that we have to look at. Does you know one, two, three, four, five, six, however many new members coming into the conference add financial value that grows the pie proportionally that we're not just dividing the same pie more ways? Are we getting into new markets that can help from a recruiting standpoint? that can help from uh, a recruitment, student recruitment standpoint, uh, that can help from an alumni engagement standpoint. So, you know, as we go through a process of saying, okay, where are we as a membership? Where do we want to be as a membership? It starts with the existing 10 and a commitment there and a commonality of thought that we're all on the same page. And then looking at the opportunities that may be good fits that to, to the points I've just made, ultimately add value to the league is
2: is there a right number or a target number or is it just more or less a case-by-case situation when we're talking about potentially adding different member institutions and how important is it to maintain an even number
1: um you know my thing on numbers zach is i'm not so much hung up on what is the number and, and I'm also not, and I understand there's, there's convenience factor to even versus odd. So please take that um, into consideration. But um, I, I'm, I'm not one that looks at the numbers and says, well, we have to get to this number or we have to stay at that number uh, or, or we have to, if we're going to grow, we got to grow by even numbers because it keeps us even, that type of thing. Ultimately, it comes back to everything that I just mentioned off our, of our Greg's question is what adds value? And, and if we think that we add tremendous value to the, to the league overall by adding one, maybe we add one. Please keep in mind that, and, and, and your listeners, viewers, and, and everybody across Summit League land know that the odd versus even convenience factor is no doubt there. It's, it is a value-add component. And and I suppose that's a value add for even numbers versus odd numbers, but that's just a part of the overall value add consideration when we have the entire discussion.
0: Mm -hmm. I I just wanted to go back real quick to overall um, conference engagement and and back to that topic. I, I was excited to hear that. I, one of the things that, that I would say is that we have almost been one of those places that have tried to engage as a conference as a whole versus this is a South Dakota state group. This is a South Dakota group. Um, And, and yet I don't think that if we're your, your best option for that, I don't know that that's, that's, that's meaning that, that we've met our potential. Could you go back a little bit more into maybe some things that you guys did in the NCHC that helped, Bond the teams together. I can think of things that happened, such as even Oral Roberts going to the to the NCAA tournament, going to the Sweet Sixteen. I think that builds the brand and builds the conference as a whole. Everybody kind of cheers for that team. The tournament at the end of the year, but I'm curious about any of those things that you thought worked really well at the NCHC that helped build.
1: Well, let me, Todd. Let me start off and say that you know what we are doing now and what you all are doing. Uh, for for the league overall, and just helping to talk about the league in particular with basketball is is a big part of it. I mean, if if we have more of this type of stuff going on, then then I think there's there's more attention being paid uh, to the league overall. Let, let me start on the competitive side. I I will be the first to tell you that I, I, I'm not I'm not there out making three pointers. I'm not making free throws. I'm I'm not blocking shots. I'm not I'm not playing. Um, defense on a basketball court. So the the conference office, the league office, can only do so much. Obviously, from a competitive standpoint, what the league office can do is ensure that the priorities that we establish for every single member in their program are adhered to. And so, I think one of the things that we're going to do within the conference is is um, maybe peel back the onion a little bit, start to think about a strategic plan. That says, okay how do we want to prioritize um, what institutions are doing locally with their programs all and otherwise, because I think if, if, if we can get everybody to um, a a common level and a higher level, so to speak with how they're supporting their programs, you know, I think that helps out competitiveness overall, but I, I will tell you, as it relates to the NCHC, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that, People love the NCHC and pay attention to the NCHC because we won four straight national championships. We were, in, um, we've had six teams in national championship games. Uh, we've had so many teams in 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 the Frozen Four. So the competitive aspect of it has no doubt elevated the profile of the of the conference. But the, like I just said to you, I'm not out there shooting free throws. I'm not out there scoring goals. I'm not out there making saves in the in the NCHC. But there was a commonality of thought in how our institutions supported our programs. And the conference office kind of led the charge in, in that regard. Now, beyond gotcha. that, okay. it comes down to what type of media, marketing, promotional type of plan can the conference put together? Um, along with our member institutions. So maybe it's as simple as things like, hey, here's a 30-second PSA on the Summit League, and we ask you to play this within your basketball venues, um, you know, once, twice, twice during the course of of the year. Uh, And we're also going to distribute that to to Midco. We're also going to distribute that to ESPN and all the other local television partners that are out there. Um, maybe it's creating a digital network uh, where we put all of our particular video content, but but frankly, I think it's even beyond video content, digital content under one umbrella that has fans constantly coming to this particular site to say, if I need Summit League information or I want to consume Summit League content, I have to go here, and so it isn't so. I think somebody used the word fragmented um, before. Um, it's probably having a discussion about what our TV agreements look like in particular on a national front um, to see what we can do to showcase the conference on, on a broader, wider scale uh, through through linear television. It's it's a strategy about social media uh, and, and being very intentional about that strategy in social media and not just saying, hey, it's just a press release that we just push out over social media or it's just the post game, report or stats that we push out over social media? How are we engaging fans over the course of the week so they stay connected to Summit League content? So all of that and then a lot more, Todd, goes into kind of what is the league plan that can be put together? And then the institutions have to uh, are, are going to need to support that. And they're going to need to say, we're a proud member of the Summit League. And we're gonna promote the Summit League during games, outside of games, amongst alumni engagements, uh, within our community. All of that combined helps elevate the profile in the brand of the league.
2: I think uh, one of the questions that I have before we get into a little bit more basketball specific questions, is, is just kind of looking at some of the other big items that are out there. And I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't even at least sort of broach some of these topics, but you know, the idea of football driving a lot of these decisions and they're not being football in the Summit league or potentially hockey. And I know some of these things could be pretty far off, but what are some of your initial impressions about the Summit league getting involved in additional sports like that? So, Zach,
1: I think the conversation goes back to where we were talking before, starting with membership. And I mm-hmm. think I think we have to understand who we are, current space and time, on, on existing members, our commitment to one another, and then prioritizing what we're gonna prioritize on our campuses from the existing member institutions. You know, what are we doing with our basketball programs? What do we do with our basketball tournament? What are we doing with our other excuse me, sport offerings to, to 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 elevate them. And if there are discussions about potential other member institutions that um, could be a part of the Summit League in the future, if we think that there's value add there, then it kind of gets into, okay, are, are there other potential sport offerings that could be considered? I mean, you mentioned football, you mentioned hockey, maybe there are others that that are out there. I know lacrosse is a is an emerging sport in particular in the midwest um you know so so i think it starts with membership before it's a football conversation a hockey conversation or you know any other sport conversation and that's how i've approached it with 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 the existing member institutions and and i think they appreciate that and that we will go through a process with the presidents and chancellors in particular to understand where we are with membership where we're going with membership and then from that, does it give us opportunity? Obviously, we, we, everybody clearly knows that we've got six institutions that play football, uh, five within the very historic and successful Missouri Valley Football Conference, and obviously St. Thomas playing in the Pioneer League. Um, and, and they've had great success. And the Missouri Valley Conference has been, uh, football conference has been, has been great for those five in, in particular. So I don't know that there's anything specific to be done or said right now, but I think it's more about the strategic outlook of the Summit League into the future that starts with membership, then may that may then get into discussions about sports.
0: If uh, South Dakota ever were to add hockey, they just have to get used to people are going to mispronounce coyotes for a while, because. Uh, <laughs> Uh, hey, the, the hockey world
1: will take any and all institutions that want to have the sport. I will tell you that. That, that
3: that's one thing I was going to say is you know you come from like, about eighty five Division one hockey programs or
1: is that or how many are there? So there's there's interesting enough, Greg. There's uh, I'll speak on the men's side. On the men's side, there's about sixty Division one programs. Okay. Okay. A little less than half of those, Greg. Are actually multi-sport division two or division three institutions that support right. or sponsor the sport at the division one level.
3: Right. So like in Minnesota, Duluth. And Minnesota,
1: Duluth, St. Cloud State, State Mankato. correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. So Mankato.
3: yep. I'm going to jump into, you know, now you, you come over and, and we're, we're, we, we talk a lot about basketball. Obviously you look at 350 division one basketball programs. You were at Miami of Ohio and, you find, ended as a senior associate AD, and I don't know if the Miami, Ohio coach ever walked down the hall and said, I can't get anybody to come and play us, you know, at our place. You know, we, uh, they'll, you go do a few bye games, but getting home games is important. You know, you talk about building the brand. It's important to play fellow, you know, Division One institutions, especially in non-conference. Uh, obviously, the conference season, but people want quality non-conference schedules. And so I, I know there are some commissioners that have kind of worked together to build maybe some scheduling alliances. I think the summit has done it with the big sky. Have we done it with also the WAC to uh, Todd? I'm not sure. Yeah. Exactly. And
0: then they were going to with the horizon, but then yeah. COVID hit and that kind of fell yeah. apart.
3: Is that something that you see some value in some, some scheduling alliances, you know, and I'm not trying to jump into net rankings and things like that, but just from a fan experience, you know, we had coach Paul Mills from Oral Roberts come on and he said, we're better off playing a non D one than a bad D one, you know, as far as building the net ring. And, but I'll tell you what, the fans don't get excited about those parts of the schedule. You know, when you get a division three or NDI coming in. So I'm just back to my original question, scheduling yeah. lines or working with other leagues.
1: Yeah. So I, I it's an interesting question. Um, the- the, the quick answer to your, your direct question about alliances or discussions with other leagues, although they haven't yet happened with me, um, is yes. I, I do think that there's opportunity um, at the mid-major level to play across conferences to enhance, to your point, fan experiences, uh, recognize brands, recognize names that, that come into our gyms. And and people say, although not in our league, uh, you know, this is a recognizable name that's coming in. I'm excited to come out and watch our team play whomever, as opposed to your point about the non-D ones. Now, having said that, um, I have great admiration and respect for coaches, Um, and I know coaches have tough jobs. Uh, Basketball coaches, all coaches, but basketball coaches have tough jobs, and that there's a balancing act that that they have to. Uh, way when they they put together their schedule um and and i know you said you to, we don't want to get into the net rankings and, and i would maybe appreciate that we don't go too far deep into those but but there's an aspect to that that i understand when a coach is putting a schedule together um that they're looking at related to how is this going to influence my my ranking Uh, or how i think it's going to influence my ranking as 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 the season wears on that's where i think we need to be strategic as a league and sit down and have a very real conversation and probably maybe bring in some people from the outside um, that can help us think through basketball scheduling to where it can help and serve our institutions locally in the gym because people want to come watch certain opponents but also can help and serve us uh, from you know a statistical ranking standpoint because at the end of the day our conference ranking um nat both on the women's and men's side where it is today we want it to be higher right i mean that that's where we want it where we want it to go and so we've got to be strategic about how that schedule gets put together and um, you know, I'm on, I like to say to people, I'm on day minus 90 here. Um, we haven't quite gotten to that discussion yet, um, but I know that discussion eventually comes. And frankly, I'm really looking forward and excited to that discussion because I was very involved with our schools on a hockey standpoint, because the tournament selection in hockey is hundred percent analytical. It's hundred percent a mathematical formula. And so I worked, we worked really hard with those that really understood that mathematical formula to put together a conference schedule with the right number of conference games and the right number of non-conference games and looking at our non-conference schedule and saying, assuming we're going to win more than we're going to lose, it's going to help us propel more teams in the tournament than probably many other conferences. And frankly, it's played out that way. Um, I know we sit in a little different landscape in the summer league, just given college basketball overall, but I think we have to take that same type of approach to to basketball scheduling.
3: Well, USD and South Dakota State women have proven it can be a multi-billy and it might, people might say, well, no, that's, no, it's, that's real. And they've done it. Uh, Obviously their coaches have been exceptional, but their ability to win non-conference games (laughs) against really good opponents but they've proven it. And so I think that's that's why it's it's easy to look people in the eye and say, yeah, it can be done.
1: So credit to you. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Greg, but I would also go beyond this discussion about scheduling. It goes back to what I said before about prioritization of, of what we're doing with our programs on our campuses. So if we think basketball should be a multi bid league, or we think, let me make it up, women's soccer, or volleyball should be a multi bid league, What are we doing collectively, each member institution being enforced, reinforced by the league at the local level to ensure that you have a basketball program, volleyball program, a women's soccer program that can compete at the highest level to give us the best chance to have a multi-bid league? Those are some of the discussions that we're going to have, frankly, some of the things that I talked about during the interview process, but I agree with you. That's great.
0: Josh, if you want to go back to schedule ideas that make no logistical sense we've talked about a bunch of them on previous podcasts so uh.
1: well here's the deal guys and and you're seeing it every every day because i'm living it every day we're getting to our scheduling world now with covid that uh, uh, is not making a whole lot of sense unfortunately so (laughs) i'm sorry about the seemingly daily announcements that are coming regarding the summit league basketball schedule
3: In well, fairness, I, I we're do, excited
0: that they're rescheduled. So Yeah, I give yeah. the
1: Summit League credit.
0: Yeah. I,
3: I really do for, for the athlete experience and also for competitive balance. I, I give them credit that they're doing everything they can, at least, to get those games made
1: up. Well, Greg, to that point, you know, we originally had conversation, I guess, even before I was somewhat official, um, you know, as this January 1st special consultant role, about issues that we were gonna have or likely to face and where were we were gonna to try to make these games up or was it gonna to be too hard? And I think that thought initially was, you know, last year, the league played referee a lot of times and yeah. trying to reschedule games <clears throat> and the league didn't wanna play referee. And I totally get that. I don't wanna play referee and trying to reschedule games. And so maybe it was, you know, these games are just gonna be no contest. Well, the problem, after we went through a week, was I? I thought to myself, and I was talking to Mini Kay and the staff, that we could have a lot of games apparently canceled, right? Yeah. And if we aren't going to make an attempt to reschedule them here, we're going to have potentially some teams playing very few basketball games. And so, you know, for, frankly, for the sake of the student athlete experience, and I know uh, these young men and women want to play games we had to find a way to reschedule. So we came up with some guiding principles and how we would reschedule. So the league wouldn't necessarily be the referee right. and say, okay, when we reschedule, this is how it's going to work. It may not be ideal for you or your opponent, but this is how it's going to work. We're going to try to do it in, in as fair of a manner as possible. It's not going to be equal, but we'll try to do it in an equitable manner as possible. And you know, I just hope Greg that it slows down here and, you know, the number of reschedules that, that we're having to do, but right now it's like drinking from a fire hose.
2: In terms of continuing that conference scheduling line of thought there, you know, we, we do get a lot of feedback on schedules and of course, you know, you're not going to make everybody happy, right. It's, you know, it's in, in some ways it it sort of is what it is. Um, I think going to that Thursday, Saturday, Rhythm was a big deal. So there's a little bit more order in terms of if we do have to reschedule things, we kind of know how the, what the general rhythm of the, of the schedule is. Any thoughts on that Thursday-Saturday uh, rhythm and then the timing of scheduling major games like rivalry games? Uh, is, is there any consideration given to that or is anything like that on your radar? Um, so I haven't gotten into it too
1: much, Zach, just in terms of how the schedule is together obviously familiar with it with travel partners and it seems like it's made some sense and has worked well um for you know most of the programs out there I'm sure there's some things that that we could do better um but the rhythm aspect to it I I will talk to you about I do think that there's some importance to that now, there's, there's, there's two sides to this, right? Um, there's, there's a side that says, okay, the people that are coming to the games and the media that are covering the games in the local markets have some consistent understanding. Let's use NDSU. In, on Thursday and, and Saturday, I, I know I've got um, coverage and content coming out from men's and women's basketball games that are happening on those specific days. And so Fargo, Fargo Media and, and others can, can cover. And when games are in Fargo fans can circle those dates on their calendars. They don't have to worry about the other days of the week. Now, as I just talked about, we've kind of thrown that out the window for, for this year, unfortunately, <laughs> so I apologize for that. But please know that the conference didn't want to do that, uh, but we were forced to. Um, but in a, in a quote unquote normal world, I think there's something to be said about that. The other side to that, Zach, though, is if you start to get into, and, and this is something that we're going to have to figure out, media agreements, television contracts, Uh, That allows for exposure, maybe for the conference on a widespread basis, but maybe doesn't allow us to consistently say, well, guess what? Uh, uh, Television entity, X, Y, Z, we're going to play on Thursday and Saturday. They may say to me, well, Josh, you may not be able to play on Thursday and Saturday because we've got conference ABC and DEF on Thursday and Saturday. and, And guess what? they are gonna command more eyeballs than you're gonna command. And so therefore they're gonna get some priority. So it's a bit of a give and take. I understand the consistency and rhythm. I mean, it kind of goes some of these discussions that conference have about um, start times, right? In particular football. You know, if you look at the conferences in the Western part of the country, um, I understand that fans don't like to kick at eight o'clock mountain, but eight o'clock mountain, for television entities is a big time window because on the east coast that's ten o'clock their time, and at that point in time things have kind of finished up for the night. So again, a give and a take that we've got to figure out in our conference. Um, what is our prioritization around consistency of scheduling, timing of games, rhythm, and then and then um, aligning that or working with our media partners and in. in, in making sure that it can, can work on sorts of fronts.
0: All right. Well, we've, I think already taken up at least 40 minutes of your time. And I think we gave yeah. you an invite for 30. Um, so I, I think with that, we'll, uh, we'll let you go, but at the same time, we thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to be able to have you on and, and have the opportunity to talk summit league as a whole as we as as we've said we kind of tend to focus on basketball but obviously the conference is much bigger than that so yeah Yeah, thank you guys for
1: what you do and covering the league and and thanks for having me on and you call me anytime and be happy to do it It it's a lot of fun
3: all right we wish you the best. Oh,